Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Now this morning, you're really going to be blessed. Justin, I miss you guys, but you're in good hands. What a great team of staff we have. But you have a great speaker this morning. In fact, it's my brother, Pastor Jeff. He pastors our sister church in Leon, Guanajuato, Mexico, and he's up for the holiday. So I asked him to come share this morning with all of you. Hey, so let's give him a big, warm, we love you, God bless you. And if you don't, you're going to hurt his feelings. <laughs> we love and miss you guys. Love you, Jeff. It's all yours. God bless you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm really excited to be here today because I get to be with my Tree of Life family and, and I get to be with my Duncan family for the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> we just celebrated our six-year anniversary. Yeah. Si quieres darme un grito, está bien, puedes gritar, puedes lo que sea. ¿Y cuántos están listos para estudiar la palabra esta mañana? If you need a uh, uh, if you need headphones for the English translation this morning, raise your hand and we'll get that to you. I'll be preaching in Spanish. <laughs> but we're really excited. We just celebrated six years. Uh, it's hard to believe that we've been gone that long already, but uh, God has done some amazing things in six years. And I just want to thank you. I, I thank you for supporting us financially. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for partnering with us and reaching Central, Christ, Central, Christ, Central Mexico for Christ. Thank you for blessing so many families that, that are living in extreme poverty in our Colonia outreach, an outreach that, that we began almost six years ago. Thank you for blessing the orphanages we work with. Thank you for investing your, your time and your resources in uh, Tree of Life Mexico and building a a church that's impacting our city and changing the lives of so many families. We couldn't do what we're doing without your support, both prayer in prayer and financially. And if you'd like to know what we're doing, uh, <clears throat> please sign up for our newsletter after service. We have a table in the gathering place and take a minute to sign up. We also have a few things we brought from San Miguel de Allende. Um, if you'd like to take something home with you, check out our table. You can buy something, donate, and all the proceeds are going towards our Christmas in the Colonia outreach that we have next month. Um, every Christmas, we provide gifts for about, uh, last year, it, it turned into about 200 kids, and so we're anticipating that, that many this year uh, in the colonia that we've adopted almost six years ago, and many of these kids, for the most part, living in the streets, uh, kids living in extreme poverty who won't be getting any gifts this Christmas, and many don't get three meals a day, <clears throat> so we're out there every month. In this colonia, with different outreach that we do, we feed, the, we feed all the kids, and there's, uh, we just have a program of... Uh, ministry to them and, and their families, and but we're this year we're providing a Christmas dinner and gifts for about 200 kids and their families. So if you want to help with that, just check out our table. And just to give you a quick uh, quick update on what we've done this past year, I know Pastor Don is going to be talking a lot more about Audible de Vida in the next uh, few weeks or so, the uh, first of the year. But but between our groups coming, our, our hospital outreaches, our church services, Colonia outreach, reach, uh, different events that we've had, we've had well over uh, 2,500 people give their lives to Christ this past year <clears throat> in Leon, Mexico. <clears throat> and because of your generosity, we've been able to bless 91 orphan orphans between uh, the two orphanages that we help, that we work with with uh, school uniforms, toys, school supplies, backpacks, clothes, other basic needs and necessities. And, and we're in our fourth year of Rayma, and we've graduated 14, we graduated 14 students through the program this past year. 
uh, three pastors and one pastor's wife among many other students. And this year we have 15 set to graduate. So you guys have sponsored three students every year. So thank you, thank you for doing that, for making it uh, possible for us to train up pastors and leaders and send them out, plant churches. And because of your generosity this past year, we've been able to provide food for over 400 families in need through our bag and a prayer ministry. And, and there's just so many, so many other things that we've been able to do because of your investment in Arbol de Vida León, Tree of Life Mexico. And you guys are probably, man, you guys are the, you guys are the most giving church that I know. And not, not really, and honestly, man, that, that's amazing what you guys do with missions and throughout the world. Not only do you do so much for this community here, but, but what you've helped us do in León is just in, in, huge, tremendous. And so uh, this, is a, this church is absolutely amazing. Amen. Yeah, you guys here? Están aquí? Necesita café, café o algo así, espresso, you know, no sé. But this church is absolutely amazing. The heart you have for missions and what you're doing in Mexico and other areas is just tremendous. And I, I hope you realize the impact this church has in the world. I mean, just being there in Leon and seeing all that we've been able to do is just amazing. And, and it's, because of this, it's because of this church, honestly. And we've got a good church and a good group of people serving, sewing, investing, and those kind of things there. And, and they're, they're, they're doing it as well. But man, it's, it's just kind of all started from here. And so I'm really excited about that. We've had a couple of crazy and exciting things happen uh, in the last few months. Uh, somebody has actually given us a church uh, that is literally on top of a mountain about three hours from Leon in a, in a kind of uh, village area. It's a long story, but, but uh, there was a missionary in that, in that area that's leaving that area, and they have a church building, land, everything paid for, and they were looking for a Rama graduate to take it over. And so they found us through the Rama network and called and said, we've got this work and we don't know what to do with it. We don't want it to close down. <clears throat> so they said, we want to give it to you. We want to transfer everything over to you. You guys take this church and, and do what God's put in your heart to do with it. So we prayed about it and felt like, man, this, uh, we, we got to do this. We, we can't just leave this work just there with nothing. So uh, starting in January, we'll, we'll start to work that area. And if you've ever been on one of our trips uh, back in the day when we used to go to Huachinango up in the mountains and those kind of things, it's, it's kind of that type of area. So, uh, so I'm excited this year. I'm, I'm believing we'll be able to take uh, some of you guys up there. And, uh, and, and we also have another church that's kind of in the outskirts, on the outskirts of Leon that uh, the pastor has left <clears throat> under some circumstances, but this church we've been connected with for about four years and blessing them, working in their colonia, evangelizing their area. You get, some of you guys have been in this area and uh, they, have, uh, they, they wanted us to come and take their church over. So we're gonna do that as well. So we're excited about what God's doing and, and planting these different churches uh, throughout central Mexico and, and God's doing some amazing things in 2017. Um, I've, I've been named uh, director, regional director for Rayma Mexico, and so I've got a five-state area that I'm responsible for sending out Rayma graduates to plant churches in my five-state area. So I'm excited about how God's just multiplying uh, what you guys have invested and sown in and just seeing all of Mexico just change and transform through, through, just a, uh, through, through the message of the gospel of Christ, amen? And you guys have been a part of that and still continue. So God has done some amazing things in 2016. Um, just, you know, it's and some really big things coming in 2017. And so I got a lot of 
exciting things to share with you, but sign up for our newsletter that'll kind of get you up to date. And you know, I, I think about all these things. I look at the statistics and see what God's done, and it's, you know, kind of look back over the year at the end of the year and, uh, and, and just kind of tally up everything that's happened and look at all the fruit and what God's been doing, and it's amazing. I mean, I can sit here and say it's just truly amazing what God's done, but at the same time, uh, you know, I don't know how your year has been, but 2016's probably been the most challenging year that we've faced since moving to Mexico. Uh, you know, it's just been, it's been nonstop the entire year. It's from, from financial challenges to, to people attacking our church, our family, and, and just the battles. We've had some major battles this, this past year, and there's been moments, I mean, there have been moments this past year where honestly, I, I just, man, I just wanted to pack it up and come back to Texas. And uh, have you ever felt that way? I mean, not, not the moving back to Texas part, but, but uh, you know, whether it's, whether it's with your job or your family, your marriage, your ministry, just whatever, whatever it may be. I mean, it's like, it's like you're working and you're working and you're doing everything you know to do. You're, you're following God's plan and the vision that he's put in your heart to do, doing his will, doing things right. And you know you heard the, words, the, the voice of God, but, but yet at the same time, there's just like this resistance and, and, and there's this, man, there's just this conflict. And you're wondering sometimes, that, man, did I miss it? Did I miss God? Did I make the wrong decision? And you find yourself struggling to keep going. Anybody feel like that? See, one or two of the rest of you are... Have perfect, perfect lives, I guess. But, you know, stress, conflict, and one battle after another, and it's like, I need a breakthrough, but it's not happening, and what's the deal? Why is this not working? When is this gonna happen? And, and you get to that place where you're like, man, you know, I, I, I'm done, I'm done. I, I can't do this, it's too much, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Give me, give me a break just once, come on, why can't it be easy? Right, you ever feel like that? You ever ask God that question? God, why can't it just be easy for a change? And, uh, and so it's draining, it's tiring. It, it really is. And, and let me tell you, that's, this is, you know, that's been my year. That's been my year. And so if that's you this morning, this message is for you. And this has been my life, this life message this past year. And this has been my story this past year. And I can look back and I can see all that God has done. And I can say, man, God's done some great things. But... But you know, when you're in the, when you're in the middle of it, and, and prior to the great things happening, it's just like you don't you're not seeing that. And every victory this past year was preceded by a lot of pain and and perseverance. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I feel like God wants me to encourage you today, and I feel like God wants me to tell you, hey, don't stop, don't throw in the towel. It's not over yet. You're you're right there. You're so close. Amen. And so this message has really resonated with me the past few months, and I feel that God wants me to share this with you this morning. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that I've come to learn. And, and too many of us, too many of us stop short of the promise that God intends for us to pursue. I mean, we don't, we don't stick it out. And we're so close. You know, we're so close, but we just, uh, we just don't stick it out. And this morning, I want to encourage you to keep up the pursuit. And the title of my message is Don't Stop Short of the Promise. If it's one thing I've learned over the years, if one thing I've learned, probably the most important thing I've learned is that you don't stop short of the promise. I, I mean, I learned that watching, watching my parents pioneer this church. I, I learned that when, when my dad passed away. I learned that when, uh, through some of the biggest challenges this church has faced. And I've learned that in pioneering Tree of Life Mexico. I've learned that starting a, a Bible school. I've learned that through the countless moments when, when we had no clue what we were gonna do about paying the rent for the church when we didn't have a dime and it was due the next day. But God came through. God came through. Are you here? Yeah, I learned that lesson when everyone told me that, that man, you know, you know you're, you're, uh, you're 45, you're 40, 
well, 44, I guess. You're 44. It's, you're too old to go on the mission field. I'm 50 now, but, but I went anyway because I had a promise. I had this promise. And we need to understand something about God's promises. God's promises never change. His promise to me never changes. His promise to you never changes. His word that he spoke to my heart has not changed. And what I see in his word is not going to change. Do you realize that? It's not, gonna, it's not gonna change. And the problem is, when we don't see the manifestation of it within our time frame, even, even within a reasonable period of time that, that we would think is a, a reasonable amount of, amount of time, you know, God, I've given you this amount of time, why isn't that? When we can't see past the obstacles, past the tests and trials, when we, when we grow weary in, in waiting, we, ha- we have a tendency to stop short of the promise God wants us to receive, or, or we just think, we missed it. I must not have been God. I don't know what I was thinking. Everyone was right. I should have listened. Right? And, and, but here's what the word tells us to do. In uh, Hebrews, verse 10, uh, 10 capitulo, um, chapter 10, verse 36, it says this, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. That's a great, that's a great scripture. I mean, you need to persevere. Tell your neighbor what you need to do is persevere. And I think that, I think that's such a powerful verse. And listen, God, God can make you, here's the thing. God can make you a promise that you never possess if you never learn how to persevere. I'm going to say that again because that was really good and I didn't hear any gritos or nothing. (laughs) God can make you a promise that you never possess if you never learn how to persevere. And that, that's, that's pretty much true in every, every area of your life. I mean, your, your relationships, your finances, your spiritual growth, I mean, that's true in, in business, in ministry, in your marriage with your kids. And so this message today is for somebody who knows in your heart that you've stopped short or you're on the verge of stopping short of something that God put inside of you, something that he spoke to you, something that, that, that he put in his word that, that you're claiming and that you're, you're, you're thinking about and, and meditating on, but uh, you, you just feel stuck in something that maybe it's, it's faded, but it's still beating in your heart, but, but you've pushed it back and pushed it down and convinced yourself that it's not for you, it's not gonna happen, why bother? I mean, it's already, the expiration date's already come, and... But God has a word for you today. And God, ha- God wants you to, 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 to just have a different perspective. And I want to use an Old Testament passage of scripture to illustrate the verse we just read. In Joshua, um, actually we're going to talk about Joshua. But, but Joshua chapter 6 is an in, a real interesting chapter because it describes how God's people had to conquer a land that had been granted to them, promised to them, given to them. Uh, it was theirs, but yet they, they, weren't, they weren't living there. I mean, they weren't there yet. And so I think a lot of us who say we're a believer, we're a Christ follower, a lot of us are living like that today. I mean, God has given us this promise, many promises actually, but, but we aren't living it yet. We're not there yet. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, the scripture tells us in Ephesians uh, chapter one, verse three, it tells us this. It says, God has blessed us with every blessing in heaven because we belong to Christ. And how many belong to Christ this morning? Yeah, so there's half of you. The other ones, you belong to Satan, I guess. And, no. <laughs> 
But, but man, I, you know, we got, these ble- we got these promises, these blessings, but how many of us, how many of us are living that promise? I mean, according to that, whatever's in Christ is supposed to be working in my life. I mean, I'm supposed to be living it. The peace of Christ, I'm supposed to be living it. The joy of the Lord, I'm supposed to be living it. The strength of God, I, it's all supposed to be working in my life, but many of us aren't in possession of it. We're not living it. It belongs to us, but, but we don't have possession of it. And here's the thing, I mean, just because God promised it doesn't mean I possess it yet. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm living it, right? I can have this promise, it belongs to me, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean I, I, I have it. And now in Joshua 6, we see God's people as they're about to take possession, and they've persevered. I mean, I'm going to read you a few verses, Joshua 6, verse 1, it says this. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And one thing you need to understand about this book is that Joshua, he's the author, he wrote this book, and this is his firsthand account of what happened. And so he's kind of given us an assessment of the situation here in verse one. Uh, yeah, in verse one. Now, in verse two, then, then we see, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Verse four, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. And we need to, can we practice that real quick? Can you guys give a loud shout? All right, now I feel at home. Now I feel at home. Dame un grito. And so then the wall of the city, the, the, the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. God's like, man, God's telling Joshua, hey, you're finally going to get what, what, what was promised to you, what was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and then to Jacob, and you're finally going to get that promise that was made to Moses that he never got to see. I mean, he got to lead the people out of Egypt, but he never stepped foot in the promised land. Joshua, you're going in. You're finally going in. But first, you've you got to march around it for six days. You've you got to do some stuff first. And for Joshua, it's really been... It's really been this 40-year journey, if you know the story. I mean, his perseverance has, has paid off. I mean, but not, not just for Joshua, uh, but the guys that are with them. And they have a challenge ahead of them. And so we just, we just read that you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what has been promised. So as we read this text, as we see this story of perseverance in the Bible, you know, there's, there's at least three reasons, three reasons why we stop short of the promise. Three reasons why we don't persevere. And, and, and therefore don't possess the promise. And the first one, the first one is this, if you're taking notes, it's that, it's that we can't see past the wall. In other words, our perspective gets blocked, distorted perhaps, and isn't that true? I mean, our perspective gets blocked because we can't see past that, we can't see past that thing. We can't see past the wall. And you guys, you guys know the story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. I mean, if you're ever in Sunday school as a kid, that's the classic Bible story every kid learns, right? You guys remember that story? You even learned the song, you know, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Uh, anybody? All right, I'm not going to sing it all, so. Uh, and the walls came tumbling down. That's like Sunday School 101. And so I was thinking about that song, you know, and, and the problem with that song is that it's, it's really not accurate. It's It's not. I mean, the battle, the battle wasn't really about this physical battle in, in an army like we think in the song, you know, you know, hand-to-hand combat, fighting swords. It wasn't necessarily that kind of battle. The real battle here was Joshua and God's people fighting to persevere. And, and it was a perseverance battle. Am, am I going to ride this thing out? Am I going to see it through? 
or am I gonna, am I gonna quit? Am I, am I gonna stop short? Not at all like the song goes necessarily. Now Jericho was the first city in the promised land that God's people had to take before they could ha- have everything that God wanted them to have as an inheritance. It was the first. Everybody say first. It was the first. And most of the time, the first battle is the most difficult. Have you ever noticed that? It's the, it's the toughest. And how many of you know getting started is the hardest part sometimes? Just like going to the gym. I mean, if you, if you can just get your gym clothes on, ugh, if you can just make it to the parking lot of the gym, right? If you can just get to the front door. Sometimes getting started is the hardest part. It's like we, we joined a gym like three or four months ago. We haven't been very consistent. But, but I remember, you know, we're like, we joined the gym and, and we're like, yes, we're going to go. We're going to do this. We're going to get in shape and not just round, but we're going we're gonna to do this. And it's so hard to get there. And so, man, we're, we're there ready to go, ready to start it back up. And because and, we had gone before and then we just let it expire and didn't do anything. And so, so I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm dressed and ready to go. Got my gym clothes on. I'm waiting for my wife. And she's there getting ready, you know, fixing her hair, putting on makeup. Why do women do that when you go to the gym? I, I don't understand that. And so she's getting ready, getting her, <laughs> she's giving me the look. <laughs> she's getting her gym stuff on. And, and, and I smell this really good smell coming from downstairs. And I'm like, man, what is that? And my wife had gotten up early that morning. It's, and so I go downstairs to investigate. And sure enough, it's cinnamon rolls. And if there, she made, do you know you can, you, do you know you can make Cinnabons now in your home? You don't have to go to the store. They come in the, that tube thing, you know, and you just put it on the tray and, and glaze it and cook it. Well, she made Cinnabons that morning. I'm thinking, why would you do that? We're going to work out today. We're going to the gym. We got to get there. And so I'm waiting on her and, and the smell's just like, I can't, I, I, I can't resist. And so I eat one of those things. I eat a Cinnabon. And so I'm like, you know what? Just, honey, just forget it. We're not going today. <laughs> Let's go tomorrow. Because I didn't want to be a gym hypocrite. Yeah, I, I ate one of those and I didn't want to go to the gym right after that. You know? So anyway, it's, it's getting started. I mean, it's the, fir- it's the hardest thing. The first, the first one is the hardest, the, the hardest one. It's hard to get started, right? Does anybody understand what I'm saying? And so, oh, <laughs> uh, well. The first battle is the hardest. But the song doesn't tell you that he spent 40 years in the wilderness wandering because the generation before didn't have enough faith to go in. And man, he had waited 40 years to even get the opportunity to go into Jericho. And here's what's crazy about the story. Jericho, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jericho is not a very big city. And most archaeologists say the city of Jericho was actually only about six acres in size. It was actually such a, such a small city, you could march around it in, in less than an hour, depending on how fast you marched. And so the thing is, it wasn't that Jericho was so big and intimidating that made it a challenging city for them to, to conquer. It was that Jericho's walls were really high. They had really high walls. And militarily speaking, conquering a city that size was, man, it was a piece of cake. It was a joke. Right? It, was, it was so tiny. Conquering it was, was nothing. But the walls, that, that's what made it so intimidating. The walls were about as high as a four-story building. That's what archaeologists say. And so I think about this battle in relation to the true size of the city, and here's what I've learned. Some of the stuff that's not happening in your life, some of the stuff that God has promised you that you haven't received yet, some of the stuff that you're intimidated by and many times seems like, seems like you'll never get the victory over, 
It's not that it's really bigger than you because God is in you. He's bigger than anything you face, right? It's just that your perspective gets blocked by how high the walls are. You know what I'm saying? Ah, oh, man, I, I, I can't see. I can't see past this. Thing. I can't see it working out. I just, I can't see it getting any better. I mean, I've tried. I've tried everything. I just, I just can't see past this. I can't see how this is going to work out, honey. I, I've done everything I know how to do. It's just not working. I, I'm tired of tithing. I'm tired of doing unto others. Nothing is working. I mean, I'm spending this money when I got my car broke down. It's in the shop. I mean, why am I, why am I tithing when I got this over here? And it, you know what I'm saying? Not getting any better. I, I can't see. And, and finally, you're like, ah, forget it. You know what? Forget it. Meh. Stuff doesn't work. <laughs> you ever thought that? Yeah. Yeah, it's just me. That's why you need to be in church. That's why you, you know what? Can I, can I just tell you that one of the best ways to lift your perspective to see beyond the walls of your problems is to be in church? Being here lifts your perspective to see beyond the obstacles and the opposition. I mean, most of us spend six days a week looking at walls, looking at, looking at setbacks, looking at failures, looking at deficits, looking at teenagers. Uh, I don't know why they turn out this way, you know? Looking at, <laughs> looking at your spouse, you know, I don't, really, I don't know why I married him. And looking at, looking at what other people are saying, looking at, looking at your past, looking at, wall, looking at problems, right? And, but when you come to church and when you get around other people and you start praising God and, and you're with other people and when you praise God with other people, it, it just, it reminds you. I mean, you got guys on your left and your right and they're, they're there and, you, and it reminds you that, man, I'm not alone in this. I'm not, I'm not on my own in this. I've got other people that are pursuing God with me and they're lifting you up over the wall so you can see. And they're like, hey, come on, come on, come on, Jeff, come on, let, let me help you. And it's like, check this out. And we're all up here, you know, looking over the wall and there's something about praising God. There's something about making an effort to get in God's presence that will elevate your perspective. I gotta take a breath. So you can see past your problems so you can see over the wall. You know what I'm saying? And when you, and when you see past your problems, you can see that the enemy that you were intimidated by was actually intimidated of, uh, by you all along. And you're like over the wall and everybody's low over the wall and you're like, hey, oh man, look at that. Look how small that thing is. Now, now that I can see over the wall, <laughs> devil, you don't look so big now. You know what I'm saying? Man, sometimes you just got to look over the wall. So, in jo so Joshua in verse one, we see, we see his initial assessment. He's, he's like, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred. No one went in, no one came in. But in verse 2, God says to Joshua, man, then the Lord said, hey, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. So these two verses to me are so contradictory. I mean, I think you got Joshua giving his assessment, but then, but then at the same time, he's like, well, God said this. Here's what he, see? Yeah, so I've delivered Jericho into your hands. And, and I think Joshua's like, man, come on, God. I mean, could, just quit playing games. We've been doing the same old, same old now for 40 years, and things don't really look any better. I'm, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm done. What's the deal? I've, I've had this promise forever, and now you're saying that's here? I've delivered Jericho into your hands. And so here's what I love about God. Only God can speak in past tense about a battle that you haven't even fought yet. That's how strong God is. That's how big God is. That's how faithful God is. Right? You can be, you can be in, the, in, in the midst of it. I mean, you could be blowing snot and, and crying or whatever and facing this thing and looking at your bank statement. You can be in the middle of that, but yet God's saying, hey, hey man, I already took care of this. I blessed you. I prospered you. Right? I mean, that's what I love about God. He's, and he's basically saying here, Joshua, I know, I know it's been tough, 
These walls, yeah, I know, they, they're, they're tall, but man, I made a promise. You have, look, look, you have persevered. You've been grinding it out, and, and I don't live in your time zone. I'm not stressed about what you're stressed about. I'm not moved by the economy. I've got this thing worked out, and if you'll stay with me, come on, stay with me, stay with the plan. You can have the victory because my purpose will prevail in your life. Right? And Joshua's like, man, all I see is walls. Have you ever felt like what you see in your life doesn't match up with what God has said in your heart? Have you ever felt, have you ever felt like that? Is it just me? Yeah? Have you ever felt like God is speaking to you about victory, but, but you feel defeated? Have you ever felt like God was speaking to you about healing, but, but man, your body is like, ugh. Have you ever felt like God said, what, what God said doesn't match up with what you see? Have you ever had God move in your heart and tell you to give something away? Meanwhile, you, you have needs yourself. Have you ever had God telling you that you need to start tithing and putting him first in your finances? Meanwhile, you're struggling to make ends meet. Have you? Is it just me? Have you ever had a season in your life where the revelation of God's word, his promise, really didn't match your reality, your situation? And that's the situation Joshua's facing, and his perspective is blocked. He can't see past the wall. That's why you need to be in church. That's why you need a, that's why you need a pastor. That's why you need to be in a life group. You need to be around people that you can serve with so that you can see past the walls and, and keep a perspective of God's promise. And secondly, a lot of us stop short because we don't see any progress. Yeah, I just don't see anything happening. So God speaks to Joshua. He says, march around the wall for six days. On the seventh day, march seven times. It's gonna be awesome. The walls are coming down. Woo. Verse uh, six of Joshua six says this. Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. So they get this instruction to start marching. And Joshua, and Joshua after he told the people, verse eight, it says, when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. So it seems like, man, okay, all right, things are finally in motion, they're making, they're making progress, right? I mean, they're, they're finally doing something, and I don't know about you, but I need to see progress. I, I, I just, it's, I, it's, I shouldn't have to see progress, but, but I need to see progress. I get so impatient, so discouraged sometimes if I can't see anything happening. Are you guys like that too? I mean, if I can't see anything changing. So, so they're moving forward, they're making progress, or so it seems. In verse nine, the armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Don't raise your voices. Don't say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. So, man, these guys are all gung-ho. I mean, they're like, oh, yes, battle. We're going to, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to destroy the city, and it's going to be awesome. And, and, and so they're, they're pumped, and they're ready to take the promised land. They're ready to start this conquest through the promised land, and, and it's been so long and discouraging, and, and, but now it seems like something's happening. And so, man, they're, they're off, and they're marching, and oh, this is great. And 45 minutes later, they go back to camp. It's like, what just happened? I thought, I thought this was it. I, I thought it was time. I, I thought this was it. 45 minutes, we're back in camp. It's almost like going to a Friday night high school football game and the band does the halftime show before the game starts and then everybody goes home. Well, I thought we were gonna play a game. And so, verse 12, Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. 
The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. Woohoo! And they did this for six days. And so these guys, man, they, were, they thought they were going to charge into the city to wage war, but all they ended up doing for six days was taking a walk. <laughs> all this for nothing. Man, have you ever felt that way? You know, you're like, you're like getting pumped up. You're like, oh man, yeah, we're going to, oh, this is going to be good. We're going to, yeah, I've waited so long and, ah, uh, uh, nothing. <laughs> you ever felt that way or just me? Yeah, all right. So, but you know what? If I were God and I were orchestrating this miracle, if I were writing Joshua chapter six and I had this group of fighting men and I wanted to march around the wall six times and on the seventh time, I'm going to collapse the wall and, and I want to keep them motivated. And then let me tell you what I'm going to do. This is me, I mean, I'm gonna give them a little sign every time they, they make one lap. I'm gonna give them a little sign that they're doing a good job, that, that man, just to motivate them, you know? I gotta get these guys, but just a little sign that you're doing good. You walk a day and, and, on the, and, and one seventh of the wall crumbles after, one, after that day. Now, I would do that every day, because I, I don't know about you, but, but I need to see something happening to motivate me to stick with it, right? I mean, that's how we are. And I don't mind working hard. I, I don't mind sacrificing. I don't, I don't mind putting up with stuff. But I need to know that my pain has a purpose, my, that it's serving a purpose, that there's a point to it, right? I mean, I want to I see something. But the Bible doesn't say they walked around the first day and a little bit of the wall fell down. And then they walked the second day and, oh, a little bit more. No, it didn't say that. Instead, if you were one of these fighting men, after a couple of days, you'd be sitting around the campfire like, I don't know what's up with Joshua. I... I think 40 years in the, in the desert has fried his brain. Uh, somebody, somebody needs to say something. Man, he can't, get, he can't get away. Somebody needs to tell him something. And this is ridiculous. Who put him in charge anyway? And, and what's, what's with the no talking thing? What's, what's that about? Right? If you're, in the, if you're part of his team, and here's why I didn't want, listen, here's why I didn't want him talking, because 40 years earlier, it was what the spy said about their situation that kept them from receiving God's promises. And he knew that when it comes to receiving God's promise, your mouth is, is often your own worst enemy. You know what I'm saying? It is. It is. It gets you in trouble all the time. And remember, they couldn't see past the wall. I mean, this is, this is 40 years ago. They're like, they couldn't see past the wall. All they could see was, man, there's giants in the land. They're going to kill us. Yeah, you're right. That's right. <laughs> and they're all just kind of, that's what you do. Well, yeah, that pastor doesn't know what he's doing. Or whatever it may be. Uh, I'm sorry, church world is my world, so I use those kind of examples. But you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and so that's how they ended up wandering around for 40 years. Can I just say sometimes the best strategy is just to shut up and march? <laughs> can, I, can I say that? You know what, tell your neighbors shut up and march. <laughs> Feels good to tell somebody to shut up in church, doesn't it? Because <laughs> you want to say that to the person behind you that's singing way off key. It's like, okay, never mind. <laughs> but man, how many times, how many times does our mouth sow seeds of doubt in, in our heart? How many times does our mouth sow seeds of doubt in, in others? Discord, strife, offense, division, but, but just not in our hearts, but in the hearts of other people too. That's why he didn't want those guys talking. And you know how, you know how God told Joshua after six days and on the seventh day, the walls are going to fall, fall down? Remember that? You guys remember that? You guys here? Yeah. 
Okay. I'm used to more shouting and yelling in my church. <laughs> Just kidding. So, well, get, mira, look, mira, I was going to say mira. Mira, guess what Joshua didn't tell the people? Guess what he didn't tell them? He didn't say a single word about how long they were going to be doing this. He, if you read the story, he didn't tell them. I mean, God told him, gave him instructions, but he didn't tell those guys how long they were going to be doing this. He basically tells them, I mean, if, if you look back, you read verse 10, he tells them, this is the only thing he tells them, really. He says, advance, march, keep your mouth shut, and I'll tell you when we get there. I'll tell you when to shout, right? And so he doesn't tell them how long. He doesn't tell them how many laps. So it's not like they can say, oh, yeah, oh man, yeah, five more days of this. Yeah, no problem. Four more days of this. Okay, three, okay, last day. Yeah, okay. We stop short because we don't see any progress, right? I mean, oh, man, I'm tired of praying. Nothing's changing. I'm tired of tithing. It's not working. My finances are actually worse than when I started tithing. <laughs> you ever said that? <laughs> I have. <laughs> and, well, listen, the third reason we stop short is, is this. We don't see the end in sight. We don't, we don't see it. In other words, the process is, is open-ended. There's no indication of when it might happen. And wouldn't it be nice if God put a clock on your dreams or your prayers to let you know when it might be coming to pass? I mean, I would like that, wouldn't you? I would like that. <laughs> doesn't work that way. God, he does, it's, it's not like God's going to say, man, if you just give me, if you just stay pure for a couple more years, just two more years, I'll have that right person for you. If you just love and honor him for 14 more, 14 more months, I'll restore your marriage. God doesn't do that, right? And if you just go on eight more mission trips, I'll call you to the mission field full time. Just eight more. Give me eight more. If you just tie for 10 more weeks, I'll bless you financially. Just 10 more weeks. You can do it. You can do it. God doesn't do that, does he? Wouldn't it be nice if God gave us an idea of how long it would take? I mean, it'd be so much easier to persevere, right? We could do it. We could do it. 10 more weeks, I can do that. I won't, just won't pay him for 10 weeks. That's okay. But it doesn't work that way. And we don't, we don't persevere and we stop short of the promise because, because we can't see past the walls. We can't see the promise. We, we don't see any progress. And, and I'm marching, I'm marching, and nothing's happening. And you know why the walls didn't fall down a little bit at a time? It's because God didn't want Joshua and the men to trust in their own effort or their own progress. He wanted them to have faith in his promise. Because sometimes, sometimes, I'd say most of the time probably, God lets you walk around in a situation where what you're doing doesn't seem to be working because he wants you to know, he wants you to know that you that 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 you trust that that you trust him that you trust that hey hey I'm working Jeff I'm working even when what you're doing doesn't seem to be working. In other words, he's like God's like this. I mean, God, this is God. He's he's like all right. Will you still pray when the answer hasn't come for six days, six weeks, six months? Will you still serve me when nobody appreciates you? When when you get offended. When you don't agree with the pastor, hello, amen, ouch, what I always say. When things didn't work out the way you wanted them to, will you still? That's what God said. Will you still show up when you don't even feel like it's making a difference? Will you still give tithes and offerings even when you're not seeing the provision flow back to you? Will you still honor your husband even when he doesn't appreciate anything you do for him? Will you still love your wife even when she doesn't respect you? Will you still? Will you still? Will you still? That's the question that he wanted to know. Will you still? Will you march just because I told you to? 
Not because you were hoping to reap the benefit of it, not because you wanted something out of the deal, but will you just, will you? Will you just do it? And listen, man, that promise has not died. If I could have the team come up, that promise hasn't died. I mean, that promise hasn't expired. There's no expiration date on his promises. God wants you to know, God wants you to know something. Man, he's like, he's like, I'm working when what you're doing doesn't seem to be. Can you trust me? And really, that's, that's what faith's all about. I mean, that's the essence of faith because it was walking around the walls of Jericho that would prepare them to fight the giants once they got in the promised land. It was in, God, it was in what God had to do in them, on the inside of them. And we're so convinced that what God wants to do for us is the most important thing. God, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do that for me. I need, you, that's, I need that for me. But I believe that many times when he sends us walking around walls, it's because what he wants to do in us has to come before, he, before what he wants to do for us. Because if we, if we don't have that part of the equation, then, then, then we're, we're not gonna, I mean, it's gonna be like rolling the dice on the other stuff. You know what I'm saying? And here's, man, here's what I want to tell you today. Some of you are on lap number six and you don't even know it. And you don't even know it. You're on lap number six and you, you don't even know it. You're about ready to throw the towel in, but you're on lap number six. Can you stand this morning? You're on lap number six. Man, if you've ever watched NASCAR, they have this counter on the screen on the track that tells you how many laps you, you, ha you have left. And it lets, you, it lets the drivers know how they need to pace themselves. But life, look, mira, I keep wanting to say mira. But life doesn't tell you how many laps you have left. It doesn't. And I wonder how many people gave up on their marriage, gave up on their ministry, gave up on their kids, gave up on God. And, and you were on lap number six and you didn't even know it. I believe God is saying today, don't stop short of the promise. Don't stop on number six. Don't stop short of the promise. You're closer than you think. Don't stop short. You might be tired. It might not make sense. You might look ridiculous. You may lose all your friends. You might be tired of blowing a trumpet, but don't stop short. If you walk every lap like it's your last, believing, believing that what God has promised he will perform. If you walk every lap like it's your last one day, you're going to be right in the middle of that promise. That could be tomorrow. That could be tomorrow. You could be, number seven could be tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? And one day, you, man, you need to persevere so that you've received the promise and the process will prepare you so that you can live in the promised land every time. Man, that's, I got to tell you, that's, the, that's been the story of my year. I mean, actually, this is a story of my life. I'll share this with you and then we'll close. I remember 15 years old, I was 15 years old, and I, and I, and I knew that God called me to Mexico. And I, I knew it. That was his promise to me. That was what he told me. And I graduated high school, you know, and like a lot of teenagers do, I took a few detours and actually... My, uh, it seemed like I, there was a time in my life where I, it was, my life was just one bad decision after another. I was your stereotypical preacher's kid, and if, if they said that I couldn't do this, that's exactly what I did. And I just lived that way. My brother and sister, they were saints. <laughs> I was not, oh man. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you've heard my mom probably tell stories. So I'm, re- I'm actually responsible for this church even being because I was the one who uh, made my mom and dad pray so much. <laughs> you can thank me later. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but man, you know, I, I, I chose a difficult path. I honestly did. And I, I wrestled with that all of my life. I'm telling you, I did. And I felt that I had messed up God's plan for me. I spent years kind of feeling like I had to chase that promise and, and, and it just, I felt like it was so out of reach. So many things in my life I felt were so out of reach. And every step of the way, one situation after another, one battle after another. And I, could tell, I can't tell you how many times I thought it was hopeless. I, I thought it was out of reach. Not just, not just that, but just other things in my life. Uh, people would tell me, I mean, even, even a few years ago when we made the decision to go to Mexico, I mean, people, people would tell me, you're too old to be a missionary. You're 44, 45, you need to be like 20 something. You need to be in your 20s. I had a, but I had a promise, I had a promise. I, I have a promise, why are you telling me that? I have a promise. Right? And, and you know, I didn't say anything. I just, I just kept marching and I kept my mouth shut and I kept marching and marching. I got to Mexico, one battle after another. I felt like quitting so many times. I felt like it, I was in way over my head. I felt so unqualified. You ever feel that way about whatever you're doing? You're, maybe it's your job. For me, it's been ministry. I feel so unqualified. And you know, we didn't have the money. I, I got, I, I, we sold our house. I had enough money to move, move us there. <laughs> But man, we didn't have the money. We didn't have the people. My Spanish was terrible. I don't know why people came to hear me because my Spanish was so, I can only talk in present tense. <laughs> Thank God I've learned past tense since then. But I just kept marching. I just, I just kept marching. And I think about, I think about what we've done sometimes and, I, and I, I look back and see all the great, amazing things and, and I gotta pinch myself because it's like, it seems like it's just a dream. I, I could tell you story after story. I, I have many especially this past year. But listen, listen, I don't let money stop me from pursuing my promise. I don't let my past stop me short of the promise. I don't let my qualifications or lack of them stop me short of the promise. I don't let the enemy talk me out of my promise. I don't. I don't care. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what anyone says. I have a promise, right? And I know what Hebrews says is true, that you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. There's no expiration date on that. There's, there's, there's no qualifiers to that or disqualifiers to that. <clears throat> but man, I believe, I believe there's somebody here today. You didn't come, listen, you didn't come to church by accident. I mean, especially when it's 20 degrees out on a Sunday morning, you definitely didn't come here by accident. But man, I believe that you're on, man, there's somebody here, maybe there's more, that you're on the verge of quitting something that God has promised you. You lost your grip, you're, you, you let go and, and mentally, emotionally, and, but, but man, God brought you here today so you could hear, so that you could hear that this might be your last lap because you're so close. God would say to you this morning, with every lap that you walk, every time the walls don't fall, there's something I'm building in you, Joshua. I want to teach you to trust me. So I want to pray for you today. So if you could close your eyes, bow your heads. I want to pray for, the, for, for you today. Those of you who are on the verge of giving up a, I don't know, a dream, an aspiration, a calling that God's put on your life, a, a promise about your family, about your marriage, uh, whatever it may be, and, 
And right now, I just want to pray for you. And if that's you and you would say, yeah, pa pastor, that's definitely me. I, I need to persevere. I, I don't know what to do. I, 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 need, I need my faith. I, I, just need, I just need the strength this morning. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Raise your hand. Hands all over. Hands all over. Hands all over. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you for your strength that has come today. God, the strength, the strength of the Spirit of God to encourage the weary, to sustain the one who, who wanted to quit, God. I thank you, Lord, that six is our number, but seven is yours, Lord. Prepare us for that seventh lap so that we'll give you all the glory when it comes to pass. And I pray that what you're doing in us would become more important to our hearts, that it will become more important than what you're doing for us, God, and give us the strength to persevere. Give us the strength to, to keep on keeping on. Give us the strength, God, to just, to just shut up and march. Lord, give us the strength, Lord, to not, not, not throw in the towel on lap six, God. Give us the strength, Lord, to see that, that seven is on its way. Seven is on its way. Give us the strength, God, to, to maintain that even if seven is, is a year away, a week away, a month away. We will not lose heart, but we will give that shout of victory, God. We will give that shout of victory, just like, just like those guys did. Just like those guys did. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for strengthening us. Thank you for that faith that we need to rise up in our hearts, God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.